Welcome to A Vague Knowledge of Everything. I am Rosie. I am Hope, and we have a very special guest here today, husband of Dr. Mommy. It's Mark Collins. Beep, 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 beep. It's my dad. It's true. <laughs> um, so a couple disclaimers. We are at my parents. We're at my parents' house in Pittsburgh. There's gonna be lots of clocks in the background. <laughs> which is what you're hearing currently right now. Um, and then Millie might also make an appearance with her uh, smoker's bark. Millie is a dog. I think we should make that She clear. is a dog. That's I feel like we've brought say. Millie and up who before. Who is Millie? Yeah. <laughs> Millie is a little pity boxer rescued doig that you guys got about two years ago. So, Dad, uh, so. would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Sure. My name is Mark Collins. Um, for those of you who don't know me and for those of you who know me, my name is still Mark Collins. I'm not sure, sure how we started that way. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm uh, the wife of Sandra Collins and the uh, father of Faith, Hope, and Grace Collins. Mr. Jim Business. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to fact check you right there. You are the husband uh, of Sandra. What did I say? You said you were her wife. <laughs> yes. Hey, man. Yes. Well, I, I try to be. I, I, I am assuming. I am assuming that <laughs> yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. Very, very inclusive family. That's right. Um, so can you tell, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? How did you get to be sitting here at this dining room table with me? I was uh, born the son of poor sharecroppers. <laughs> Um, I, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, pretty typical, I guess, uh, of American story. My, uh, parents were, uh, second and third generation and, uh, Irish German. And, uh, they had three kids, uh, uh, uh my sister, Cindy, my brother, Kevin, and myself, uh, we grew up in Forest Hills, um, which, uh, people imagined to be a, uh, uh, a suburb of Pittsburgh, but it was actually a suburb of uh, the steel town of East Pittsburgh and of Braddock, uh, uh, both large steel mills and uh, electrical uh, plants. Um, my father was a civil engineer. My mother was a uh, school teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all went to the University of Pittsburgh, and that's where I met my wife. <laughs> I want to make that clear my wife, uh, uh, Sandy. Um, <laughs> And uh, I uh, never really got out of Oakland, where the university is. I still teach there, and got uh, and and work there, and um, uh, have been a writer and a teacher for an advisor for uh, about 180 years, uh-huh. I think. In sure. Oakland. Yeah. I guess we should introduce what this episode is about too, because sure. I have not done that yet. So we're doing an accidental series on masculinity. And so you're here to talk about uh, masculinity and fatherhood. Mm -hmm. And as you've mentioned before, you are married to a lady. It's true. And you created three more ladies. Also true. Yes. Not on purpose. Uh, I mean, the lady part, the kids part (laughs) were were on purpose. Uh, I I did not. We we did not set out to have three daughters. It worked out that way. So um, I'm just going to ask you some questions about masculinity in your life okay and you can talk for as long or as little as you'd like a deal do we need a safe word in case you feel uncomfortable <laughs> i think i'll say something and and it, it'll be code i'll say something like i don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. okay. this is also going to be our <laughs> father's day episode yeah. so 
for the first time, Rosie and I planned ahead and decided to have a holiday episode come out on the holiday. Outstanding. Instead of the Easter episode coming out like three weeks after Easter. Sure. That was the Dr. Mommy episode. Okay. So how would you define masculinity and how have your ideas or perceptions about masculinity changed over the course of your life? So maybe how would you have defined it at an earlier age and how would you define it now? Uh, I'm torn. I'm torn because on one hand, I think that this question about masculinity and how one imagines one's self um, is always um, subject to to investigation. I think people always have, have worked on that. There's been accepted or thought to be accepted norms of what it means to be masculine. Um, but, but there's always been that question, uh, I think, that people wrestle with. I think what's more common now is that people are more open about wrestling with mm-hmm. that question. Um, well, we live in an interesting time where that's become more fluid and more dynamic, I think. And then people are, um, it's, uh, it's safe it's, uh, to, to talk about those things without the fear of being thought of as, uh, I don't know, soft or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot has changed since, since I was uh, young. Uh, I, I went to an all boys high school. Uh, Central Catholic. And um, there's uh, a a lot that embarrasses me now about how we thought about uh, about masculinity, especially in relation to females. Mm. Mm. And uh, I part of it, just the maturing process. I'm sure that's true of anyone. But part of it was being at an all guys high school. Um, It was extremely competitive. uh, the, the things that would define what a man is what was pretty traditional and, and almost in an embarrassing way. Mm-hmm. However, um, I, I, I've stayed in contact with uh, some folks from Central, and it's been, what, 40 years now? No, 45 years now. Sure. And I think, I think I can say that uh, most of us, I think, matured and grew with the times. Um, but you have to remember, this was the uh, 70s. I mean, the Equal Rights Amendment was a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, the second wave of feminism had just really mm-hmm. come to be. Um, and so I, I do think there was a lot of growing up I had to do, um, and, and, and especially in how I thought about what it means to be a guy. The, the, the two biggest events, though, um, three, three biggest events, I think, in, in terms of how I, uh, how my idea of masculinity changed. The first had to do with my birth family. Mm-hmm. My father was a civil engineer and he would approach everything like it was a problem, uh, a logic problem. He couldn't understand why my mother, a school teacher, was getting paid differently than her male colleagues. Mm-hmm. Thanks to the Pittsburgh Federation of Teachers Union, that was rectified. But it was when she began, there was two different scales. One was for female teachers and one was for male teachers no way. who were supporting a family so they should get paid more. Mm-hmm. My father, the engineer, was outraged by this. Wait, you're doing this work and you're not. He didn't care about male versus female. We all we come from a family where we're like borderline spectrum. Where we're like, no, I don't understand this. So I'm going to harp on it for the rest of my life. Till he, someone he, wasn't, it. he wasn't borderline. He was pretty much on. <laughs> 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 but, 
but uh, but yeah, that's an engineering thing, right? I mean, yeah. well, why I don't. But he was used to dealing with things like stress loads on members. You know how how um, how this building was structured, how it stayed up, and if you were talking about two equal parts, they were two equal parts. Two plus two equals four. There's mm-hmm. just no way around that. So it doesn't. Gender never enter, entered into it. There were other ways where he was more traditional, but when it came to things like that, so I grew up with that understanding. Right. Uh, the second thing was, um, I, I, when I went to, to Pitt, to University of Pittsburgh, I, I, I tried, uh, I, I was a nursing major for a while, and people would ask me if I was studying to be a male nurse. And I thought, well, I'm studying to be a nurse. I thought the male part I kind of had down, and now <laughs> I'm concerned, was there more I had to study? Is there something? Else? So, so it, that, that sort of alerted me. To some of those differences, I think. And you dropped out of that program because uh, it was mutual. They we, we not, left we left each other. They were mean <laughs> to you for being a boy. No, they were. That's not true. They they that's they they were. Uh, no, they were. Uh, that was it. Was a mutual decision. Okay. It just was not. It did it didn't fit. But I ended up being a, an English major. What? Yes, and um, because really? I couldn't sing or dance, but <laughs> I ended up being an English major, and and that, that which introduced me to you know uh, other poets and other writers. And uh, you, you sort of saw the, uh, uh, all the guys who were in the writing program tried very, very hard to be real guys, sort of the Hemingway thing mm-hmm. to sort of, I think, compensate in some way, right? For, mm-hmm. for, being, for being poets. Yeah. <laughs> so, I feel like you can always tell a guy who's read a lot of Hemingway, like there's, there's some factors that can be yes, uh, yes. pretty easily recognized there. And it's, it's Yeah. And it's, you know, sad, but true. I mean, I, I can't, uh, and it was true of people like the Charles Bukowski the poet, you know, there's just one mm-hmm. after the other, a yeah. Barry Hannah. There's all these writers who, who would really be overboard in terms of their Richard Ford. I mean, there's just one after the, and uh, so I, I think that that was a big influence on, on how I approach pa- things. Pause for Millie. Yeah. Millie has a statement. She also doesn't like these poets. No, I don't blame her. Yeah. Pup set. Um, pup set. Is that what you said? Yeah. Nice. Uh, so you're an English major too, then? Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's so, from Faith Collins, though. That's a Faith Collins original. Uh, but it's pup set. Pup set. So um, I learned a lot about, uh, but there was also a lot of women in, in the writing program, and I think what? I, yes, I think that that was a, a more of that levitating. I think the, the the final thing, though, in terms of, of maturing, I guess that's the word in, in terms of approaching was, was, uh, was having three daughters. Uh, it's, it, uh, there, I'll mature you right up with <laughs> that. That'll mature you right up. Yeah, it will. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, um, the, the tough part I think for me is that I'm still learning. Um, so, uh, you mentioned recently, you and Hope and I were talking about, uh, she was uh, in, in coming home from some place at your home in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. And, and you said, I said, well, I said, it was like a 30 minute walk or something. It was an hour walk. Hour I was walk. too cheap to buy an Uber. See, that's because I'm your kid. That's right. Cause that's why I love you. And, <laughs> and you, you, I said, well, that couldn't have been that bad. And you said, oh, actually it's kind of tough. And I said, really an hour walk. That's not bad. She goes, you said, no, I, I got cat called three times. Yeah. It's not the walk. It's, it's oh. not, it's just, this is, this doesn't occur to me. Yeah. It's not, and, and it's, it's embarrassing for me to say that at this point, because it should occur to me. 
but I'm telling you, it's just not, I have to, I have to work on it. I have yeah. to be conscious of it. I have to remind myself that I can do things that. And we're a Caucasian family. And we're Caucasian. And a white family. I'm pretty aware of that. Because, no, <laughs> we're I the whitest of the white people. <laughs> I, I, I'm always surprised when people that talk about there's no such thing as, as white privilege. Because um, I work in academia. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time. So mm-hmm. I'm always surprised, and especially when it comes from other academics, they say, yeah. you know, I don't think there really is anything like, you know, white privilege. Wow, that's amazing. Look around the room. That's shocking. It. So going off of you talking about Actually, having. Can I, yeah. Can I go. interject for a sec? You, you can see in programs on like the sailing vessels that Hope and I have worked on, um, some of the other ones I've worked on as well, that you notice like there is an access to like the activities that cost more money uh, for people who can't afford it. And then you start to see the disparity there and how there's just so many white, more white families that can afford it. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, for me, that was very illustrative of, um, yeah, of that difference and is kind of, it, it makes it really hard to have a lot of diversity in sailing, which is kind of interesting. Because, yeah. Right, because there's, uh, there's almost a built-in thing that, that is keeping, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, uh, when I was teaching, a, I taught in a geology department. There was a lot of women, which was interesting and, and which was good. The, uh, but there wasn't a lot of diversity and uh, that was a constant struggle. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I uh, it still is. I mean, it's, it's, getting, it's getting better, but better being relative. You know, if you go from like 2% to 3%, I don't know how much cheering you should do, right? I mean, it's- right. So you had three girls. Yes. One in 91. Yep. One 16 months later. Yes. And then one four years later. Yes. Four and a half. (laughs) Where mom said, I think we should have another baby. And who was the one where you were like, we should take a break after this? Which (laughs) was that uh, child? Let me see. Let me think. What year did you start going gray? That would have been about the time you were born. Around September 92. I'm sure it's a coincidence. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah, hope. Uh, Thirty-four was the time to start. Hope was, <laughs> hope was uh, a challenge. That's the word we're going to use for the day. I was fine after I had colic. Yeah. Well, no, you were fine till like colic last, too. last last week. Okay. Um, we were yeah. both like fractious babies. I had colic for a long time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so yes, we we had we had three mm-hmm. three ones. So you got married yes. at twenty-four. Yes. And you waited eight years to have kids. Yes. Which I think is a really good way to go. But that's just yeah. me. I'm a little biased. Because um, so, you guys still like each other. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, Here's the interesting part. I okay. can talk, talk about masculinity. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to marriage, I'm no not being funny. No, it's not that. It's, it's so much of it is luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much of it is, is circumstance. Pause, pause yes, for Pause clocks. for the clock. This, this is a reflective of time. Wow. Passing. Yeah. And you're, you're, you like your wife. So you have how many clocks in your house? As many as she wants. That's right. Um, so she, she's uh, the, the uh, amount of uh, luck and work involved is, is you just can't calculate because you don't know from person to person, you know, there's no advice that I can give right. about it. Uh, and there's the obvious things, you know, trying to communicate things like that, but I'm, I'm kind of out of the business of, of trying to figure out how marriages last or don't last. Um, I'm, I'm glad ours did. Yeah. I am, but I, well, so far, so yeah. far, but try to well, get well, to next Thursday. Super relevant to you guys at this point. Cause it seems like you're, you're all right. 
you don't know people break up after long t- yeah, periods of um, time uh, um i agree with you uh uh I, I think that, that, that we are all right, but I'm, I'm, uh, it's sort of like riding a motorcycle. I'm comfortable riding a motorcycle, but I always am aware that I am just one oil slick away. And, and um, I, the, the, uh, this might get into the masculinity thing. Sure. What a beautiful transition. Okay. Um, when, when you give, when you do your marriage vows, they say, you know, for sickness and sickness and in health. Um, and, and for richer, for poorer, yeah. uh, they have the wrong conjunction there because it should be and for all of them that you can be sick. One of you can be sick. The other can be healthy. Mm-hmm. You can be rich and then you can be poor the next day. Um, you can be rich and be poor and a lot of other things uh, that there's no, uh, it, uh, the, the number of things that can go right or wrong in a marriage, in a life, it's just you can't calculate infinite. The, I think the, the masculine thing plays an issue when the stress is at its highest, when you're faced with sickness or someone loses their job or something like that. Um, so Sandy and I have both worked and there's been times when she earned more than I did. There's been times when I earned more than she did, but I never didn't feel the pressure that I had to, bring home money. You always felt like you had to bring home money. Yes. That might be because we have never been a rich family. (laughs) I don't know if that has to do with being, but, but even, uh, there was a question when, when you guys were young, uh, mom and I tag teamed. Mm -hmm. Right. But so we work both work part-time, but I, uh, I knew I had four and mom did too, mm-hmm. but, but I never, I, and I think that's part of a, a masculine outlook is you have to, yeah. you don't have options. Right. Yeah. And I think it, women, I'm guessing you would know better face different challenges in trying to do that home life balance kind of thing. Well, it's the home life and it's, you better get your body back to where it was as fast as you can. Right. So you have to earn money. You're probably expected, expected mm-hmm. to be the primary raiser of these kids. Right. And you have to be making your body back to what it used to look like. Whether or not anyone tells you that you feel it. You feel it. Well, so uh, when I was working part-time at the, uh, um, uh, and Sandy and I were splitting the parenting duties, I was in more of a position to get you guys from school if you were sick. Mm-hmm. Or there was some kind of emergency. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting was that Sandy was not under that. Everyone, when I did it, when I left work to say, "Look, I got to take care of Hope. She's sick or something like that." People were like, "Oh, you know, that's that's a great dad." Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they said that's a great mom when mom did it. You you're at a very low baseline for yeah, being a exactly. good dad. Expectations. You do one yeah. thing and it's like, "Wow, yeah, what a good dad. dad." Yeah. Whereas moms do it all the time, and no one says, and no one anything. says anything. Or they say, well, well, and but, also employers are probably thinking, like, "Oh, again, we have to yeah, figure out exactly. how to for this. You have to go be yeah, a mom. It happens so often. Whereas yeah. for the the dad, yeah. if it's just once in a blue moon, then that's like, "Wow, so look incredible. at that. Yeah, we've got a great dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you. Like we said, you had kids in the early to mid nineties. Yeah. So it was a different time for having babies in terms of gender. Yeah. Because now with the generation of our peers having kids, 
there's people who are still doing gender reveals and very much care about, you know, knowing the sex, buying blue or pink stuff. There's also a lot of us who, Rosie, I think you're included in this. You don't really care about the gender. You're going to buy gender neutral clothes and, you know, gender neutral gifts and people are going to let their kids come into their own gender. Mm-hmm. And you guys opted not to know before we came out. Right. So you had no idea every time. Right. And every time was a girl. Right. And there's a lot. Did you, I have a two parter. Go. So were you prepping one way or the other for having a boy or having a girl each time? No. Like, did you think ahead? Like if this is a boy, I'm going to be more like this. You, you give me far too much credit. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's the, the, the shock, the sledgehammer, uh, uh, the, 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 the difference that your life takes to me when people would mm, worry about those things or really be concerned about those things and, and, and say, you know, this is, you know, I really want a boy or really, whatever. I, I really wanted, I was saying I want someone healthy. That was the main thing, but everything else I got to tell you was we were trying to get through the night. We were trying to get to next Thursday. We were after you had kids. Yeah. Cause you're, I mean, you're exhausted and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the kind of deep questions, you know, but I think both Sandy and I tried to be models in some way, but that was secondary to trying to get you guys to, uh, you know, eat or not slap each other or, you know, <laughs> yeah. To not kill grace, not kill grace. I mean, that was our, became our goal is you know, <laughs> try not to kill Keep grace. The kids alive. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. You know, I said, you know, um, send one parent just to watch me. Yes. You, you, uh, I think Robert Williams said, you know, you imagine when your kid's born, you imagine what kind of speech they'll give at the, yeah. when they win the, the Pulitzer Prize. And then after a while, you're like, we can't just get them to 18. <laughs> and then it's like, if we can get them the next week, that would be great. So, so what did can have, add, can I add one thing? No, you may not. Okay. I'm going to anyway. Sure. In terms of expectations, your kids will turn out the way they turn out. And you, that, that whole nature nurture thing, it's, it's nature. You're, you're connected to your kids by this stale rubber bands <laughs> that you think are control and they're not, <laughs> trust me, they will do what they want. I've asked you before, if we came out blank canvases or if we came out fully formed and you said we all came out with our personalities intact. Yes, like Faith tried. came out as a little dad. Yeah, I came out as a hundred percent copy of Mom, and Grace is an alien. All that is true. Yeah. Yes. Well. Uh, yes. It, yeah. You 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 were not. You were kind of a challenge. You said you had a part in making me, but no one believes no, no, you. I don't think that's true. Um, I uh, I was there for it, but other than <laughs> I have another question, Go. just as because Rosie and I are going to be the baby makers if that's a path that we choose Mm -hmm. so and mom had three c-sections yeah which uh rosie and i watched the amy schumer documentary i did not see this she has an emergency c-section and they did not blur it out so i'm wondering what that was like to see in real life as your partner was disassembled like a car (laughs) I have great news for you. You didn't look. They said, would you like to watch this? <laughs> and I'm, I'm not making this up. I, I said, to them, are you going to take a sharp instrument and, and cut her from port to bow? <laughs> no, no. It would actually don't be, be starboard to Thank you. Port. I said, yeah. no, I don't. 
Portabao would be a really weird. I would. That's a, a doctor. Well, that that's was, if you go like this. So like a diagonal. Diagonal. Line. No, that would be weird. <laughs> That'd be like from her up here to her over well, here. Well, luckily, both the doctor and I had no seamanship. Uh, yeah. So so he, I I said no. I don't want to to watch any of this at all. Zero, <laughs> all three times. Zero. It didn't change. No, okay. I did not. No. There's a great line from Bobcat Goldwaith. Uh, when uh, his kid was born, the doctor said, do you want to uh, 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 snip the umbilical cord? And Bob Kekulfwitz said, can't you find somebody a little bit more qualified? <laughs> and I felt that when they said, do you want to watch? Uh, do what? Say, oh, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> Good choice of scalpels. Or, I don't know. Did you cut all of our umbilical cords? I... Okay. Um, you'll hate me for this answer. Sure. I don't remember. Okay. There's a lot going on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate you for I'm that. Sure. I, I don't remember it either. It's all wonderful. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Mom's puking on the babies and stuff. I, I, that was the, the most afraid I've been, I think in my life. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. You want your kid to be healthy and everything like that. And I mean, I've done some dangerous things. I've, you know, played hockey without a helmet. I've shot the rabbits. I've, uh, I've actually, you know, had dinner with in-laws. But nothing was scarier than that. That was that was terrifying. Having watching mom have the babies, just having the babies. Yeah, yeah. Mark, Mark, my water broke about three hours ago. <laughs> well, that yeah, that wanting to kill my wife, the same yes, thing. Yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. other part of it. Yeah. So, what did having girls change about your ideas of fatherhood, if anything? Um. So I did wonder. Um, so, so when Grace was born, the, the, uh, one of the doctors said, you must, uh, three girls, three girls, you must be disappointed. I was going to ask about that yeah. too, about the general disappointment Which of having girls over boys. Strangest thing I ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I was fine. It didn't bother me. It never bothered me. It, there's, there's two areas where I wonder about, uh, one, I don't know what it's like to raise a boy. Well, it's well, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, um, I have three 13 year old boys. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it's like to, to raise. And, and I've wondered about that. I don't know what that would be like. Um, but, so that's it's always just been I'm curious about it. But but the second part is I uh, you there there is occasionally when rarely, I should say, not occasionally, rarely where I do feel a sense that I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm there's a disconnect between me being the only guy in the house from us. Um, no, it's me. It's not me. It's not you. It's me that I just, I, I, there's, uh, um, you're always not, I'm never sure if, if I'm being understood, uh, if it would be different if there was a guy in the house. Well, it would be like having roommates, right? You think, you, you know, if you have yeah. all, women, all women as roommates or all men as roommates, it's going to be a different dynamic. You know, you felt that way. That's not in a bad way. It's just you, one wonders. Well, kind of as a follow-up. So in the past two years, yes. you've gained a different role as father-in-law mm-hmm. to two big men. Yes. Who look exactly yes, like very you. Very big men. Yeah, extremely. <laughs> They, they added some much needed height to the gene pool here. So. so what did that mean for you? And what kind of transition was that? Um, so, uh, this will be an interesting answer. Okay. 
you don't you don't pick how your kids are going to come out right they're going to come out the way they come out okay you you don't select their mates unfortunately well no (laughs) i would i would argue fortunately okay because you would have one thing you think what would be best for faith what would be best for hope you know what would be best for grace and I knew one thing. I was really hoping that you guys would marry someone like me in terms of being a smart-ass Central Catholic graduate. <laughs> I got smart-ass in there also, but, <laughs> but they, they don't, they're, they're uh, so that, that part was, but I, I, would, I wouldn't have, uh, you don't get to choose and say, I would like these qualities, these qualities, mm-hmm. because the, the relationships are so different. You, you, the three of you are so different. You've, and your sister's just different, that the yep. mates would have to be different as well. So, I mean, you, you can't mix and match, right? Right. You can't, There's you can't not say, one well, size this, fits all. Right. You can't say, well, this guy's nice. He'd be perfect for hope. It's like, well, maybe. Right. You know, that, that part was, that was hard adjusting. Really? Yeah. Because you, 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 because as, as you and Griffin, you know, work out your relationship for Griffin's parents and for me and Sandy we're watching as you work out your relationship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just different. And there's, we couldn't have asked for Justin. We no. couldn't have thought that was coming in a no, million years. No, no. And there's so much that goes on with that. No. He's no. pause for clocks. Yeah. Pause for clocks. Um, can I put you guys on the spot for a second? Put us on blast. So I'm curious that you're both buried. I mean, mm-hmm. did you think about, you know, you, when you were imagining your future spouse, would you have imagined who you ended up with? I didn't think I was going to end up with a tall boy for some reason. I thought I would end up with somebody who is my age and my height. And I ended up with someone five years younger and three feet taller. <laughs> Not three feet. <laughs> Seems like it. I didn't expect to have somebody so similar to me. I would have thought I needed someone more like Justin, who is more patient and a little bit more chill, who could like take me, could take my head out of the clouds. Griffin met me in the clouds. So we're both at the same level of like, we need serious playtime as adults, but somebody who can also meet me emotionally mature wise yeah but you also both work hard yes but i didn't i thought i had to be the playful one i didn't know i needed somebody who could play with me yeah i didn't i didn't recognize that until much later in life i thought i needed a serious adult person but that would have been too boring for me it's interesting you use the word need i do no but 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 you but you it, it turns out it's not a need it's something you just to you know, it's now it's, you know, it's you and Griffin. It's not somebody you thought you needed some imaginary. I didn't know I needed it until I had it. Yeah. There you go. And then it's just playtime all the time. <laughs> and it's awesome. I, I, I would not have survived with somebody who was more boring than I was, which sounds mean, but um, mom always said she wanted to ha- date somebody smarter than her, which is why she dated you. Mom's very smart. She just won't admit it she's it's going to be her you know eternal regret she ended up with me. what can you do rosie like yeah, rosie, thoughts about chris um i i don't think that i thought 
a whole lot in terms of looks about who I would end up with. Like I, I'm capable of having a crush on a lot of different like looking people. Right. So I think like I did kind of when I thought about like, okay, but do I have a type was probably like in my early 20s. Because I was like, doesn't it seem like I have a type. But then I thought about it and I was like, I think my type is somebody and this is I, I I said this to a friend of mine and he was like, yeah, that really makes sense with like the people you've been interested in. But like the way I summed it up was like, it's someone who could take like a group of scouts on a trip for a weekend and like they would have a good time. They would all come back alive, you know, like it's like it's like a responsible human being who would like, you know, be able to make things fun for people and gets along with people in general. Like that's honestly like, and, and, you know, I also would want an intelligent person because that's very important to me and stuff like that. But it, I, I think honestly, like aside from like wanting them to be intelligent, my biggest thing was I need someone who's going to be more like personable than me and more outgoing than me. And like, I think on some level, I always understood that because that's what my mom ended up having with my dad. Like they were very opposite. Um, people think Chris and I are, but, uh, but they, they were even more so I would say, but it, they helped each other in the ways that they were opposite. And so that's kind of, so I think I was looking for that in some way, someone to like uh, be outgoing so that I didn't have to be, which is also mm-hmm. how uh, I found hope. So yeah, <laughs> Rosie just collects extroverts that make I, her go do, to do things. I, do. I, I collect extroverts that like kind of it's that way. That way, I don't have to go and make a bunch of friends because the extrovert can do that, and then like I can have friends by proxy, you know. <laughs> and then like I can get to know people in a way that's a little more friendly and easier for me. And so when I find those people who I like gel with, who are like that, that's really helpful for me. And Chris is one of those people for me right off the bat. So I think I did kind of like clock and I was like, yeah, okay, he's, he's the type. Like Mm. the only type like physicality that I ever mentioned was I just want someone who can carry me around because I was always a lot stronger and a lot bigger than everybody. Yeah. So I wanted someone who was bigger than me that I could. I certainly got that. I did. Yeah. He's a yes. big boy. He's, he's not. I like a fuzzy face too. I oh yeah. Like a beard, a beard was, a was actually beard. like, when I was little, I would be afraid of guys who didn't have beards because you and all your friends had beards. But, but I. And that's still the case. I don't trust people who have a bare face. <laughs> Except Matt Adams. <laughs> I'm glad you did say that on a podcast. Whatever. Like that. They know. Um, um, I. So this is uh, interesting to hear because when I was in my 20s, I was always slight of build, right? So I always felt like I was making up for certain things. So when I, you know, I played deck hockey and things Mm -hmm. like that, and I played with a certain abandon. The Collins competitiveness that you gave to all of us. I gave nothing. You guys were born that way, I swear. So you gave me anxiety. (laughs) About the competitive? No, just like in general, I have anxiety. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're Irish Catholic. <laughs> um, that comes with some anxiety. Yeah, right. no, <laughs> I've got that yeah. built in. Yeah, that's that's what the Irish gave to the world. Yeah, <laughs> we, we gave Jamesons and you know, uh, chronic depression. Uh, yeah. You're welcome. So, uh, but when I was growing up, that was that was the challenge. You know, is to is to you know, I was five eight, and I'm you know, don't weigh that much, but I'd be the guy in front of the net taking. One elbow Scrappy. after another, yeah. Because I, but I do there's definitely a masculine oh yeah aspect to that. That the where that got to be an issue is 
and uh, and then talking about toxic masculinity, there's been times sort of I mean, this is deck hockey, right? Mm-hmm. It's, we play D league. The D's for drinking. This is not <laughs> not we're not good. Yeah, we are not good. Deck hockey just means you're playing with sneakers instead of sneakers. sneakers right? We play right. We play on a giant like welcome mat. It's it's yeah. like street hockey without the cars. <laughs> so you know, played in this league, and there's been times when I was concerned that I'm going to get my head taken off by someone who didn't know it was a game. Mm. And this was their, this what they weren't, they weren't getting, it wasn't competition. It was life or death. And they were, it, it was a battle. It's gym class all over again. It was, it was gym, gym class at ours goes to 11. Yeah. I mean, it was bad. And a couple of times I just refused to play because I thought I'm not, there was one guy who really got into it with me and I, he was talking about, you know, making threats and things like that. And I said, because I didn't know what else to say, I said, your life must suck because <laughs> they punch you in the face. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, we're here playing. It's a game. And you're like, <laughs> it must be awful to be you. I don't think that I didn't diffuse the situation, certainly by saying that yeah. it got worse. But I mean, really, seriously, that's tough. God, buddy. Can I ask you something? You ask me anything you want. So you tore your ACL. I did. Because a 300-pound dude landed on your knee. Is that correct? That is correct. How did that happen? And was your competitive competitive nature maybe a part of that equation? Uh, <laughs> Rosie, do you want to talk a little bit more about... You know, I never considered that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, well, that was the problem. I, he was wanting to move me in front of the net. I was playing. I was a center. Uh-huh. And I was trying to make life difficult for the goalie. Oh, no. And and he moved me out of the way and I refused to move. And then physics took over and and uh, he landed on my knee. I thought you were the victim this whole time. Well, well, you were. Well, clearly, I was. We were because we had to wash your feet. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the second time. Uh, um, okay. This is embarrassing. This is good because now we got to talk about toxic masculinity. I, I broke my ankle playing. Uh, is it still recording? I just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I broke my ankle once playing uh, softball because I my goal was to take this shortstop out. And I, I slid into, uh, into base to try, try to uh, upend him. Mm-hmm. Is this why my nickname in soccer was Crash? Because I tried to tackle other girls playing soccer. No, your nickname was Crash because you used to go into people without any regard to whether they were there or not. And I was bigger than all of them because yes, I hit my height at like age 11 yeah. and I stopped growing. Yes, so, yes. So it's like this size now as a fifth grader. And, and you were quite fast. I and, was. And, and uh, But once you got to the goal, things fell apart. Yeah. I didn't have aim. No, you didn't. I could run really fast. Can't aim for no. shit. No, there's uh, there's several soccer balls they're still trying to find. They're still circling <laughs> Camphorn Road, I think. Um, how did becoming a dad change your relationship to your own dad, if at all? What a great question. Now I have to think of an answer. Okay. Uh, so so my dad was uh, it was a it was a it was a great father. Um, the fact that he was an engineer and I was a writer was uh there was some tension there mm-hmm. uh, and he was had been in the navy and he had been in the navy well or he he had been exempt from the navy um his his uh mother who had all of an eighth grade education wrote to the roosevelt administration to get my dad exempt and my and he had succeeded uh-huh. 
So my dad joined. Yep. Yeah, that made my grandmother really happy. That just goes way back. So yes, that the kind spiteful, of spiteful competitive spiteful, nature. Right. So and he's you know he was five nine or something like that, mm-hmm. but he was the he was the division boxing champion. I mean he he was yeah he was a giant pain in the neck to other people. I think. <laughs> And uh, this family, and he was, he always was, uh, um, competitive when it came to education. Um, he wanted, you know, to, he, he wanted people to be advanced and things like, which was great, which was great. But, but it was, uh, uh, there was a certain amount of classism there, mm. right? but you know, that's the thing. he pulled himself up by his bootstraps. Well, he also cheated to get in the Navy. To get when he went through the door that uh, yeah, all the yeah, big guys were right, going right. through. He, well, he cheated the sense that he always, if someone else, he saw someone else get an advantage, he made sure he got an advantage too. So he was, but uh, scrappy you know, pulled himself up. They were dirt poor. So, and, and so my siblings and I benefited from the fact that he, he you know, put us through college and things like that. But there was um, uh, expectations in terms of, um, uh, I, uh, he, he wasn't particularly emotional, um, and he wasn't not emotional. He didn't like he didn't understand, but it would, he was pretty stoic, mm. and that was uh, and an adjustment. As far as I know, you are not. I'm not stoic. No. Pretty so emotional, was, dude. <laughs> yeah. So that that was diff- that was diff- he was he was great at the Irish goodbye, especially you know? after becoming a dad. It didn't, and he became a grandpa. Like it wasn't. Well, a little a little background. Um, uh, so he became a dad. He was, he was a very good father, and and I don't want to if it, if I'm portraying him as in, in any way unloving. That's not true. Okay. But uh, so my sister was uh, hurt in an accident. She was quadriplegic for forty five years, and and that that changed his life because because the calculus of engineering no longer worked. Mm. He couldn't fix her, and I think that was. Very difficult for him. She also defied science and lived way longer than she yeah, was she supposed did. to. Yeah, and she went to school. I mean, she did. She went yeah. to college. She did all those things. She was an amazing woman. But but that part, I don't think ever left him. That he here was a problem he couldn't fix. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't. I'm sure it's true of moms too. But for a guy, sometimes you just think it's a problem to fix. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you just had the right tools, if you just had the right. If I just. If I just. Yeah. that I can fix this. and uh, Or if you just was... did this for me, we would all be fine. Yeah. Right. yeah. If right. you just did everything my way, we wouldn't have these problems. Yeah. But so that was, uh, but uh, yeah, he, he was, like I said, he was a great dad and things like that, but that was definitely a, a difficult for him. Well, that sucks. Well, we all got through. Um, so you're, I would say that the majority of your career in addition to being a writer, has been that of being a professor. Uh, yeah, technically uh, instructor. Instructor, yeah. right. So what did being an instructor teach you about fatherhood and vice versa? Because I assume those are, I think working on boats, like it's very easy when you're in a position of leadership teaching kids who come on board, you're thinking like, oh, this is like a strain of parenting in a way. Yeah, uh, can, can, uh, I, I promise I, I will. I will answer that question. You're going to come back Can I ask you guys first? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you were you were in the, the, uh, you were doing a lot of training when you're on, and and you were getting 
high schoolers and college age people on board. And old guys. <laughs> I'm curious <laughs> about the high schoolers and, and the college age. Did you feel like there was some uh, that you could tell anything about the parenting that these kids have? Yeah. Definitely the high schoolers. The yeah. college, it gets a little bit less so, but um, but the high schoolers, definitely. Uh, so for for example, that they, they, you would... There was, so it's high school one, two, three. Mm-hmm. So they're coming from all over. So we had kids from the east side of Toledo coming on with Tabor Academy, which has their own tall ship, doing dishes at the same time. And the east side kids knew how to do dishes. Okay. And the Tabor Academy kids had never done dishes before. Yeah. But pause for clocks. I felt a responsibility to teach the high school kids about consent. Oh. So I kind of took that on. No one asked me to. I just kind of took that on as a thing that I was going to impart on these young boys. That if a girl says, please don't tickle me, I don't like that. Means please don't tickle that me. That is a like form that. of consent. And you're not allowed to just do things because you feel like it. That was an across the board thing. But I had a but kid. It was definitely up. a lesson, I think, that a lot of the guys needed more than the girls. Um, although the girls sometimes would they benefited from as it. well. But yeah, so everyone benefited from it. I, As far as the parenting, I, I think that when I noticed that it was with like the kid who's super picky and expects to be catered to. Yeah. Um, and so then I can usually see like, you know, can kind of tell if a kid has, has been in a situation where if they said, I don't like this and the parent will just give them something else, which doesn't happen on a boat. Yeah. And so how they react to that, like you can definitely then kind of gauge the like, okay, this is what you're coming from. So we have to like make it clear that that's not where you're at. Along those lines, you can tell who's been told no before and has built up some Mm self-resilience and kind of self-soothing skills instead of being told no and going to tell your parents about it and getting comforted, which isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But an overabundance of that means that when you're out on your own for the first time, you don't have any skills to deal with things on your own. So that's where I would see parenting come into play. And there at least so like with some of the groups where like the parents would come get them at the end and we'd have a cookout or something there were some times where we'd have kind of a difficult kid I have one in mind but I'm not going to say his name because like you know yeah sure here I'm just going to mute myself for a second and I'm going to say it and I think Hope can read my lips yes yeah so anyway so there was this kid I just wanted to get Hope on the same page so she knew I was talking about but (laughs) anyway so it was just like someone we had frustration with and then um when his mom got there I kind of like watched and I was like oh she does everything for him everything like she does everything for him and she does everything for his dad mm-hmm. and that's the situation he's coming from which kind of explains like a the fact that he didn't seem to like have some of the skills that he should have as a teenager you know like be able to sweep a floor be able to do a dish etc that kind of stuff and also I think it explained his attitudes towards women because he just he'd been raised in a certain environment that was definitely very, very sort of quote, traditional values unquote. Yeah. So like, yeah. So, so like that was a time where I definitely could see directly from kid to parent. Okay. This is what's happening. I will say that student made a lot of progress. Absolutely. He sailing with us why I wanted times. to bring him up because it's someone we can also talk about who like afterwards. He also yeah. hung out with me a lot and I was like, this is not going to fly <laughs> literally <laughs> on my watch. I, 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 so it's not lost causes. That's yeah. good. It, it, it's it, it, 
it's interesting that we're, we're talking about uh, fatherhood and I'm talking about uh, masculinity when probably the greatest influence on how I am as a dad is your mother. Right. Um, I, I, I'm. Mom wasn't going to let you be traditional values, dad. Oh, I, I, I don't, I don't think that was in the cards anyway, but I, I'm. Uh, She, she's she's much more gifted and in, in, in uh, uh, a lot of things just about everything but she's but her uh, that 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 whole partnership mm-hmm. idea that is you, you can't separate them right you can't say someone's a good dad and the and the mom's terrible them up either they're in this right it's it's um I, 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 the the way you guys turned out, the way the house was, the way we were able to operate as a unit is because of your mother. And there's just no question about that. I mean, that's. Well, again, it, you, there was a point in my senior year of high school, or maybe I was making poor decisions and I was back talking for the first time, which was not usually my role as a kid. And I guess I said something to you that upset mom and she came up and said, you're not going to talk to dad like that. And it was very clear. And that happened recently within the last year or two, whenever my car's hood flew up and I was in a rage and yeah. I called you and I told you as much. Yes. Also in a very unusual. That was unusual. I, I don't usually talk to anybody no, like but that. Your hood just came up, I so. was very scared and yeah. I got real mad. Yes. And then mom didn't talk to me for three days because I yelled at you. So it's obvious that the, you two are as important as an important integral part of the family. Right. And it's not just, I'm just mom. I'm just dad. Yeah. It's I'm Mr. Dr. Mommy and mom's <laughs> Mr. It, it, everybody gets to be a person and everyone gets to be treated like that. Yes. I, there are consequences. I, this, this goes back to your original question about being uh, an instructor. And it's exactly what Rosie said. Everyone gets to be a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were times when I was teaching um, I, you get to see everyone's parenting style and, and, and it, again, I'm out of the game of trying to figure out what the best parenting style or anything like that. Cause it's so changes for so much, but, the, but I do remember, um, a couple of times, uh, I'm going to get all verklempt here. I do remember a couple of times when, uh, students would tell me stories about their father that almost brought me to tears. Yeah. Because you as yourself couldn't imagine doing uh, practic- practical, um, uh, you know, uh, one senior year um, needs just one bit of a loan to finish out a college career and her dad wouldn't sign. I heard a loan, A-L-O-N-E. And I said, what do you a- mean one bit of a loan? loan. Sorry. <laughs> how, do you, how do you sign up for an alone credit? As an extrovert, I'm going to have to audit that that's one. On, uh, that's that's the, the least popular of the dating apps. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the alone app. It's, it hasn't t- taken off. But that, I mean, that, that was, I, I almost wanted to sign. Oh, yeah. I was, I could, well. Yeah. So that, that, that part was tough. And there are other stories that were, that were difficult. Um, but uh, I, I was always grateful for it. A lot of it was you guys too. I mean, I, 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 no, I mean, it's everyone. Faith coming in and saying, can you sign for me as my advisor? And you said, no, No, I can't. You have your own one of those. Uh, But there was a lot of times when when you guys, um, it really was you. 
that, that did a lot of this. I mean, you have to give yourself credit. Everyone, everyone talks about parents and, you know, they, they, they raised their kids. Yeah, that's true. But they sometimes they don't give the kids credit. For the, right? I mean, the kids are part of this deal. And you guys did a very good job of, of raising yourselves in many ways. I don't know what kids you're talking about, but no, I'm it's, sure it's, they're it's lovely. It's true. Okay. Just Smith. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're a bunch of banshees, but all right. Oh, you are. Yeah. No, there's no question. But it's you, not a boring house. But but you are uh you're you're your your own self-actualized banshees. So are you still there? Yeah. I <laughs> my internet says it's fine, so I don't know what's happening. You so I think we're wrapping up soon here. But you asked me uh, to uh, ask wrapping up being a father or wrapping up this podcast you know people say i have kids until they're 18 and that is not true oh, okay okay no he i think he no. was like i'm gonna have kids and then as soon as i'm on a podcast talking about fatherhood then i won and <laughs> i'm done then i'm, I'm done. free of all my dad Thank duties um i i have to tell you that part i was not ready for that that after guys were 18 i'm thinking well you know we got you this far i know i think it's pretty much or we all move in when oh, we're 22 my. again emotionally oh my god it's you never leave it's like you know you're always like gonna be dad i have a flat tire no 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 not that it's just you know you're you're, it's it's wonderful you're part of a lot of things like that but Mm -hmm. it's you don't ever you don't ever stop being a parent well that's your own fault for being good parents that we don't want to let go it's not a matter of letting go it's just that connection is always going to be there and and which is wonderful you know but there's always those times where you still worry you still well, that's the anxiety. Yeah, yeah. No, it's being a parent. Well, you got special parent anxiety. Yeah. They give you that after your first kid. Yeah, it's state law. Like they send you a little thing. I'm sure PA says, state law is yeah. very complicated. You were going to ask me a question. Well, you asked me to ask you specifically about mom and her colleague because oh, you wanted to tell that yeah. story. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not a good story, but I think uh, when you mentioned masculinity, I wanted to bring this story up. Okay. Two stories. Great. So uh, mom worked at, at this place and one of her colleagues um, had, was attacked. Uh, like and, assaulted? Uh, assaulted, yeah. And um, they, they couldn't find the person who did it. And um, I was so surprised at my reaction, which is why I wanted to bring it up now. What year is this? Uh, Not that it matters. Mid, mid-90s. Okay. It does matter a little bit. Um, I uh, uh, just utter uh, white hot rage. You got hot mad. And I don't know if I, uh, if I had a, if I had a baseball bat handy, I'm not sure what would have happened. You also, as a very pacifist liberal person, wanted to sign up for the draft after 9-11. That's right. I wanted to, I wanted to join them. Right. But you were too old. I was too old. And they said, you know, you're too old. No offense. Uh, at, after Tiananmen Square, there was a, uh, uh, this happened in 89. There was a re- mini revolt in the center of, of Beijing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, Tiananmen Square was sort of a, this, the hot point there. Um, and there was a time when the Chinese government had covert, had, had, had implied that they would attack the U.S. embassy if dissidents would take refuge there. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, no, you can't do that. We need to send troops in. 
And I thought, okay, that's how it begins. Yeah. You send someone else's kid to do that. But that's, I'm telling you, that's a masculine reaction. Yes. I reason is out the window. You just want to get a Louisville slugger and you want to F and kill someone. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I, you can uh, swear on this podcast, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I've heard, I've heard that I kill someone before. Okay. The, 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 the idea that you're, you're just going to take, take action um, is. So you get surprised that you have masculine, violent, masculine reactions. Yeah, not, to the, certain... not the masculine part, the violent part. You don't, and that scares you or you don't want to have it anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. It scares me. Yeah. You never it's... act on it though. No, but well, you recognize no, it as a thing. No, that I once chased down somebody who didn't use their turn signal and got up beside him and said, Hey man, said, you have a very expensive car. It's sad. It didn't come with turn signals. This is how they work. I mean, it was ridiculous. You also tried to chase down a car very recently with two bum knees because he yeah, because was, fleeing, was the a, scene they were fleeing the scene of a crime. And I, I yeah, I, I thought running. Hey, after them. you have a very, uh, sure sense of justice uh, much like your daughter faith yeah but uh, th- that yes but it doesn't the, the violent part is is a little scary you know that that, that i could be capable of you're that. you feel them but the fact that you don't act on them says something you have to give that credit i, I appreciate that if given the opportunity i i'm not sure i would i don't think you would yeah. but I, you read stories about how people react and you're thinking you know that was enough heat of passion i would never do that have you know. have you seen uh, the Last Jedi? I have not seen the Last Jedi. So there's a I'm a spoilers. There's spoilers coming. <laughs> so there's a scene. I, is the Last Jedi? It's not the last yeah. one. It's the mid, the second to last one. Okay, I think I have seen that. <laughs> it's a it's the second to last one. Yeah. So it's episode. It was, eight. It was going to be called the penultimate Jedi, but they changed it. <laughs> <laughs> not funny. Sure, that's funny. So there's a scene. <laughs> like, so Han and Leia had a kid okay. who is now trying to be Darth Vader. Okay. He started in Luke Skywalker's like Jedi camp for young Jedi. Okay. So he was training him and he could feel the tension of him turning to the dark side. So he was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to end this right now. And you see the scene where he has the lightsaber and he's going to kill his nephew. And then his, the kid looks up, he like, before Kylo wakes up, he's like, I can't do this. Why would I do this? Like he has a moment of recognition before he does the thing. But then Kylo sees him about to attack him and like tries to kill him and all this stuff. So I think you would get to the Luke Skywalker moment where you're holding the lightsaber and you would be like, nah, this ain't me. Uh, I appreciate what you're saying, but that you're nothing, Luke Skywalker. Nothing, <laughs> nothing would change the fact that I'm five foot eight before I even got that far. I'd get the shit kicked out of me. So it would, you know, but. But I appreciate what you're saying. Um, is there anything else you would want to impart to our listeners about fatherhood and masculinity uh, and I, I raising three I, I, girls? No, I, have a, I have a question, actually. Sure. So what prompted you guys to do this uh, particular uh, episode? And what were you? Uh, I'm, I'm curious what interests you other than general interest. What, what, why you thought this would be a good topic? I, we're never going to be fathers. Yeah. I'm never going to know what that experience is like. And I've never like asked you about this stuff. I think in this way, like I've generally asked you like what it's like to be a dad, but we, there's a lot of information available to women about what it's like to be a mom. 
before you become a mom or if you're ever going to become a mom, even if you don't, I don't know how much information there is for about becoming a dad. I think, and, I f- and also I feel like some of the messaging about fatherhood is not, I don't know. It's just not necessarily what I'd like to see, you know, it's that kind mm-hmm. of stuff where, where the, you know, you, where you get you the huge amount of praise for doing one thing or like, you know, it's just not preparing them. Or there's also like the flip side of it where, you know, in people's efforts to compliment moms, they kind of, uh, you know, are disparaging about dads, I guess. So there's like some stuff that I just see out there that I wasn't, I'm not a huge fan of. So when Hope wanted to talk about fatherhood, and we've already done an episode about masculinity, and we're going to do another one as well, it just seemed like a nice fit. Yeah, we're doing a masculinity series on accident. But I just, I, there's, there's people I know who don't have this kind of relationship with their dad, where they can talk to them about this kind of stuff. And I like to, I only like, it's weird, not weird, but I only know you as a dad and you're kind of a dad to everybody you meet in my eyes. So, Uh, but I know, I I don't realize that. So I, I, uh, I don't know what you were like not as a dad but uh, with your students and like my friends and everybody you meet you just kind of you're in the dad role you're always wearing your dad hat (laughs) i I, and i I don't recognize that because you you knew yourself before you were a dad i but it's weird i just don't it's it's weird when you hear hear you say that i just am not aware of that so that's kind of do you see me as anything else other than oh yeah no i i I, your medalist it's the fact that you guys are both on ships I don't think you realize that that's um, you were a different person when you were on the ship. You're well, a different I came person back much stronger physically. <laughs> you, you, no, you were, I don't know if you remember this when I would, and Rosie was the same thing mm-hmm. when you would order folks around because you had to, mm-hmm. right. And, and you had these people got on uh, the ship who sometimes I, I'm thinking that uh, must've been deaf, you know, and that's sad. Don't cross the gun deck. Don't cause, See, that guy actually, that guy actually did have hearing problems. Oh, that you feel better about yourself. No, he should, he knew, he knew better. So, so those kinds of things where you, where you took, uh, I saw you in a different role. So I think that was, I, I, I don't always think of you only as my daughter. I think I could see you as a person as, well, yeah. And someone to hang out with and things like that. (gasps) Everybody gets to be people. Yeah. Everybody is people. Yeah. In conclusion. In conclusion, everyone gets. Um, since we're getting, uh, we're wrapping up here. I do want to give a shout out to my dad, even though he's not going to hear it because he's no longer he will. with us. Yeah, I mean, like it depends on what you believe in, like, and all of that. But without necessarily going into all that, my, um, yeah, go give a little shout out to my dad. Um, I think he, I think he did really well with what he had. Uh, he had a very interesting life leading up. He had a very interesting childhood. He was born in the 40s in uh, the Bay Area. And uh, and yeah, and my parents are, were kind of older, but, uh, but I think that I got some really, really good life lessons just from seeing my dad. Uh, he, a big part of his life was he, <laughs> so he was a morphine addict. Mm. um who <laughs> who got an, an alpha alcoholic and he got clean and sober um and oh, we did I say morphine addict this is to let people know like yeah it was it was a big thing in his life it was really tough and he did he got clean and sober and and that was before he met my mom so he kind of had like two sections of life basically <laughs> where he had the one section where it was all messed up 
Uh, and then, and he actually had two marriages during that time as well. Um, but then he uh, got clean and sober. He moved up to Washington or maybe he was already in Washington, but anyway, but he met my mom and, and then they kind of had a more intentional life than either of them had had before. I think uh, when they kind of got together and were like, Oh, we both like wasted a lot of time where we maybe wanted to do other stuff. But, but my, my dad really, really wanted to be a father. And I think that I don't know if it was a driving force in him getting clean. It might be, um, but but I know it was a big thing uh, after, like when he, when he and my mom were getting together and they were talking about getting married and that kind of stuff, uh, that he told her, I need to be a father. Um, and so she, she told me, like, I had kind of given up because I was like, you know, I was approaching an age where I was going to have to have kids soon if I wanted to. So I was kind of fine with maybe not doing it. And so she kind of told us like, you know, a, not for nothing, but you're here because he said, I, I need to be a father. And, mm. and I think a lot of that was because, and it wasn't that she didn't want to have kids. It was, she just kind of was like, well, maybe it isn't going to happen and maybe that's okay. Yeah. You know, um, but it was like, he was the driving force behind like, you know, us being born and all that. And that, that was really, really good. And we also saw him, um, he was a radio DJ when I was really small, but we saw him go back to school when I was in like, preschool kindergarten I think and then he became a drug counselor uh so that kind of went full circle and he started counseling the people who you know he had been you know like someone who'd gone to jail for uh substance abuse was now like working in prisons uh for some, for people who were dealing with substance abuse issues so I just wanted to shout out to him because I just to see him kind of like creating uh, the life that he wanted after making a lot of mistakes. And I think that it's a really cool thing for anyone who's grown up with a parent who like is an addict who is now clean. Like you see that kind of, um, I don't know, you, you see that kind of wish to make things better in life. And he really like went for that and wanted to, you know, and he became a drug counselor because that was something that he was passionate about helping people with. And he was very involved in Narcotics Anonymous and helped start a whole community there and became kind of a father figure to a lot of those people. Um, and so that was really, really great actually for my mom, because in the end, when my dad was in hospice and she needed like people to come and care and help with other things, there were a lot of people there because he had had that kind of presence uh, in that community. So I wanted to give a shout out for that because I just love him. And I was thinking nice, warm, fuzzy thoughts about him. And I actually have, from when he was a radio DJ, I have somewhere on a CD, I have his last recording. So I'm going to try to like to take just a chunk of that and put it on the end of the show, because I think that'd be a nice little way to honor him. You should. What an amazing life. Yeah. Um, and and if, if we're going to end on this, if the things about fatherhood is you, I could tell you a million and a half mistakes that I made. And I made a lot. What? Um, but this would just what Rosie was talking about. There's also at the end, there's a sense of uh, mercy and forgiveness because you did the best you could. And especially in your father's case, with I mean, the tools he, you had. he turned his life around, but then oh, stop yeah. there. He turned other people's lives around. And at the end, that's what you're trying to do with your kids. You're trying to give them something, impart something to them that um, from what you've learned, Right. From, mm -hmm. from how you were raised and, and how, you know, how God gave them to you in the shape that they were in and 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 go from there. I mean, we're all just trying to do the best we can. Well, we know now to buy good tires. 
good tires, good brake, yep. brakes, good toilet paper, good, good toilet paper, good paint. Yep. I'm telling you. That's Go with it. That. That's all you needed. Find yourself a good pediatrician, a good mechanic. Yeah. The rest is groovy. Still working on that last part, huh? Uh, I, I do want to thank you guys for because I, I think you're that, that's a wonderful topic to to, to bring up. And you're going to be famous now with our 100 listeners. Thank you. Yeah. We have in Russia. We've got, we've got listeners all over the place. Yeah, we do. Well, <laughs> I, I hope they all are uh, appreciative of the Betty gifts that, uh, that, that the fathers give to their daughters and, and sons and the kids give to their fathers. 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 Well, happy Father's Day Thank to you. all the fathers to out all there. all the fathers out there. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so the, hopefully this episode will actually come out on Father's Day and I can yeah. like make that happen so well we okay. usually do yeah. a sign off so if you have like a fun phrase or anything that you want to yeah, say we'll ha- have you go after us uh, I'll, t- I'll tell the same thing that my father well we'll save it for your sign off oh, hold okay, on one second okay. go ready go. okay uh i am rosie and facts matter and i'm actually going to change mine this week i am rosie and dads matter i'm um, i'm hope and now that you no better, dad better. Um, <laughs> there you go. I, I'm Mark, and uh, I always keep oil in the car. You can run out of gas, you can run out of water, you can't run out of oil. That's what my father told me on our, my wedding day. All right, great. <laughs> Good wedding <laughs> advice from Bill. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just while we're here, before I, we, I get kicked out of this again, I do have a shout out. It is to uh, the channel Dad How Do I? It's a YouTube channel where a dad literally is just showing people things they might not know how to do. And it's really cool for anyone who does a great idea. Well, he didn't have a dad to show him stuff. So he wanted to make this for other people. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Oh, also, if this is during Pride Month, I want to give a shout out to all the dads who stand at Pride Praise and say free dad hugs because that's important too. Yes. Yes, Yes, it is. You need a shirt that says free dad hugs. Yeah, I'd probably get oil on it. Sure. Great. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. Hi, guys. It's Rosie. Uh, We do have one more thing for you before we go today. I mentioned earlier that my father used to be a radio DJ when I was a little kid, and I actually have a clip from his last broadcast, which is pretty special to me, and I wanted to share it with all of you guys. Uh, Before I do that, I do want to thank the person who got it for me, my brother-in-law, Joe Shea. Uh, Joe also has his own podcast that is called The Archivist with Attitude. So everyone go listen to that. Uh, Thank you again, Joe, and happy Father's Day, Dad. That's Albert Hammond, and it never rains in Southern California. Don't uh, let them fool you. It's certainly not true. 1320 KXRO. 71 degrees in South Aberdeen at 1320 KXRO. Paul O'Brien saying goodbye for today and probably for a while. This is my last day at 1320 KXRO. It's been a whole lot of fun being a part of the KXRO family for the last few years, but uh, changes do occur, as we all know, and I made a choice to make some changes. That's what I'm going to do, so goodbye. And uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, have been part of uh, Harbor Broadcasting, uh, especially uh, to have you, the audience, along with us. Thank you very much. We'll uh, see you again sometime, maybe. Here's Steely Dan taking us to news time with Mutual at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. I'll get it right one of these days. Bye.